All right, what up, what up? This is Stuart Anderson with a new episode of the Dwelling Podcast. Grateful that you join us for this interview with Matt Bailey. Big thanks to Jason Lang and Parker Smith, who join as co-hosts here as we work through some questions and get to know Matt just a little better. Uh, I was intrigued to interview Matt and how incredible he is as a racer and how much he's done in what appears to be such a short period of time out uh, racing the crits and road races. You name it, Matt is there representing Utah and representing the great sport of cycling. So uh, grateful for him and the time that he spent with us. Dude, inspired by Matt and how uh, hard he works, he's got an incredible work ethic as well as uh, just a great guy to be around. Everybody loves Matt and loves to to ride with him and race with him and, and be around him. So thankful for the time he spent just chatting with us, talking about his history and uh, what makes him tick. Grateful for everybody for tuning in and especially thankful for uh, all of our team sponsors. We're getting ready to redesign and re-release the 2023 team kits, which is uh, always an exciting time. So big thanks to all of the members of this team whose businesses also sponsor the team uh, and make it possible for us to run the team and and, uh, be uh, who we are. So big thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for uh, everybody that listens. And grateful for this awesome team and uh, everything we built together. All right, enjoy the episode. All right, welcome to uh, this is this is the beginning. This is how it starts. <laughs> All right, welcome to the podcast. Grateful to uh, have four. Look how handsome these gentlemen are. If you're watching the video, if you're listening, just switch over to the YouTube version. Jason Lang, welcome. Thank you, Good Jason. What have you been What have you been doing today? You've been making millions. You look like it. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to start a, a new gig, so I've been busy today. Huh? Okay. We'll yep. we'll save that for another podcast. Yep. Parker Smith, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate the invite. Thank you We're so very, much. Very grateful to have you on. And Matt Bailey, welcome, guest of honor. Good to be here. Thank you. Thanks Great. for the surprise. The three of yeah, surprise. Uh, Matt didn't know Parker was going to be on. It's kind of like a it's like a trick, like a secret surprise. <laughs> so. The three of you raced last weekend. Let, let's start there. How'd it go? How was Logan to Jackson? Hmm. Parker, you you go last. <laughs> Jace, how's your day? It was good. It was a good day. Started out a little colder and a little slower than I wanted. Why Matt just rode off into the darkness, but um, st- stayed with the lead group and had a chance at the end. That's all you can hope for, right? Yeah, that was great. That was a great synopsis. Matt, how's your day? <laughs> yeah, well, we missed you there. But thank uh, you, thank you. Everyone was complaining about the cold, but I I got off. A little too early and was warm. Well, not too early. That was the plan, <laughs> but it was warm. We were we were going for it. We had a ten minute lead going into the first climb, which was awesome. So Dang. still wasn't enough. Um, I got dropped pretty hard on Salt River. I thought for sure if I could make it to that point, I'd be okay, but I was way wrong. <laughs> so mm. rode the next hundred by myself and finished it out for sixth. Yeah. So. Alone for real, like a hundred miles alone. After. So there was three of us in the break um, for a little bit, and then Cody fell off. So it was just Spencer Johnson and I. Yeah, for about, for about ninety miles before we got caught. So it was essentially like ninety miles with, you know, myself and another person, sometimes a third, hmm. and then another hundred alone. So it was a lot, <laughs> a lot of riding by myself. Yeah, character building. You you love that. Yeah, great. You didn't know that they were going to set a new KOM this year up Salt, right? Dude. Yeah, well, I, I I had a great view of it. <laughs> <laughs> Peace, man. Yeah. How's yeah. your day? Yeah, well, 
it was a rough day. Uh, it was number 11 for me. Uh, wow. But yeah, it was rough. It's my slowest time by over an hour. And I felt like I had more fitness and was better prepared than I have been in the past. But crazy, there's something going on up here that I got to figure out. So yeah, it was a tough day. I, I, I was with the lead group uh, until just before the top of Geneva. Remind me what group you're in. Cap I was force? in the three, four group before. Okay. Yeah. And I spent seven miles trying to catch them. They're only a few hundred yards in front of me. I thought I could get there, but I couldn't. And then I was just drained and wanted to pull the plug at the top of salt river. I had a plan. I was going to hide behind the outhouses and wait for my <laughs> wife to come get me. So that <laughs> nobody saw me and tried oh to talk. To me uh, I had some good buddies uh, waiting for me at the top of the hill that really just pulled me. Cool. Couldn't have done it without them. So really grateful for good friends that were full of positive encouragement. And that's really, I mean, the thing about Lodija, that's a lot of what it's about, right? We do it with our friends. We train all summer long and, and yeah. then we have that day killing ourselves. So, yeah. You know. Parker, yeah, have you ever heard of the old trick where you, you attack before a bend and then you hide behind like a tree or an outhouse? And then you make the group chase you for forever while you're just sitting on the back drafting and they don't even know it. <laughs> that, that would and that wraps good. the pod. <laughs> Matt, thanks for the advice. <laughs> I feel like Lodija would mean a lot less if they could just do it a little earlier in the year. Just mm -hmm. like it comes at that time in the year when it feels like the whole season's built up to it. Yeah. So you put more on, on it than it even deserves, you know? It's just another day, but comes at the end of the year. Yeah. You got to have August for all those dudes that haven't done any training to cram three or four long rides. <laughs> in. It's essential. That's right. All right. If you don't know Matt, shame on you, Matt. We're grateful to have you as part of first time we met little Conwood Canyon. Parker brought you on a me dwelling group ride. Do you remember that? Was that the Parker shirtless ride? It probably was. I think it was. <laughs> oh, I was wearing my shorts. Uh, <laughs> I only had shorts. I couldn't That's find right. a That's right. He only had the only had bib. You were looking really good. Bibs. They were <laughs> just no straps. <laughs> what an what an introduction. Very good. Very good. All right. I've got a little introduction written uh by Kayla. I had to I asked um Kayla to write this. It's very good, but I want you, you guys can kind of uh, insert if you want to, I don't have to read it through. Uh, so if you have anything to add, I'm going to read, here we go. Matt Bailey, 41 years old and currently from South Jordan, Utah. He has two daughters, 16 and 12, who are both on the high school and middle school mountain bike teams. He's six foot four. He's tall for a biker. And if it were up to me, this is good. She did. This is Matt. If you're not, if you haven't heard this yet, if it was up to her, 250 pounds, and he'd look like Travis Kelsey. We just Googled that handsome man as possible, but we can't have it all, right? He used to be 250 before he decided to go crazy roadie on me. We've been together for about five years, and coming from Kansas, this whole biking thing was something I knew nothing about. When we met, it was all about mountain biking, but oh, how the times have changed. He started road riding in 2019 and a couple years after we met and he's never looked back. My least favorite part of biking are the long, by a long shot are the shaved legs. <laughs> Very true. And even, <laughs> and even though he still 
Uh, he still doesn't cut it. We have finally come to an agreement that he only shaves for the first race of the season. What? So we're looking at March through September. Well, Valley of the Sun, she's doomed because mm. that's like mid-February. February, February. <laughs> trick, you know? So March through Fe- or February through the last race of the season. What? Maybe we could get some insight here. Why is this such a big deal? Doesn't like the look? I, I guess she just likes the old farm boy look, you know? Uh, well, yeah. just go talk to Moj. He's good to go there. <laughs> <laughs> most people say they come, he comes from a crazy family, but you haven't met crazy. Uh, most people say they come from a crazy family, but you haven't met crazy till you meet Matt's family. He's the oldest of five children and probably the least crazy Although that's all relative because he's a total nut job. I, I was watching uh, some of Kayla's videos on her Instagram page last night. And there was like a birthday tribute where you're doing like the conga shake with some like in a tank top. Man, that was a good <laughs> saved on the internet for all time. <laughs> Two things we love about Matt are that one, every meal he eats is literally the best thing he's ever had. <laughs> and he goes to great lengths to point that out. And second, he's always eager to share what he's learned whenever he doesn't win. We tease him about it by saying, well, Matt, what'd you learn this time? You got to <laughs> love him. Off the bike, he loves live music, skiing, the Utes, and Kansas City Chiefs. Thank goodness for football season and bike season that they don't overlap much. We're big campers and also take pride in pretty much never having a free weekend. It's always racing, camping, or going somewhere fun. Very good. What did we miss? P. Smith, we miss anything? You know, she covered a lot of great spots, and she and she's spot on. In fact, just on, what was it, Saturday, I think Matt had the best eggs Benedict he's ever had in his life. No, this is very true. Like, I know sometimes <laughs> I might exaggerate, but those eggs Benedict. <clears throat> very good. I was Where was it from? Oh, this little hole-in-the-wall place that Parker found in Kansas City didn't look like much from the outside, but, and it was in kind of a weird part of town, but man, it was good. Very cool. If you were out there for the chiefs game, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Parker, maybe you talk about where you met Matt and then Jace. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. You know, I met Matt at the Goshen road race back in 2020. Uh, if you recall, that was COVID year, right? And there wasn't a lot going on. Um, but thankfully Troy Hubner kept uh, Goshen on the calendar and I remember leading into that race, I was texting a buddy that was in the same group. And he's like, hey, listen, this guy, Matt Bailey, he's the guy. He'll be in a Hangar 15 kit. Look out for him. He just won everything at Valley of the Sun. First place TT, first place road race, first place crit, obviously first overall. So he's the guy to watch out for. Uh, I told another buddy that and he's like, nah, I know Matt. He's not the guy. Don't know. <laughs> But I can remember sitting in the start line looking for Matt and I remember seeing him in the very back sitting on his top tube, just hanging out, waiting and race started. It was six laps, six, I think six mile laps, a few climbs on the course. And on the very last lap, we had the group whittled down to about 15. And I knew that like, I'm not the strongest guy out there. So I was planning a surprise attack on the last climb. I was just going to punch it, sit on the very back. There was a descent leading into the climb, sit on the very back, get a nice draft, and then just sprint around everybody and try to get over the top of the hill, two right turns to the finish line. So it's all going as planned. I hit the gas. I'm going around. I fly by him. I get to the top of the hill. I'm going cross-eyed. Can't, can't see straight. I look over, and who comes up on me? Mr. Matt Bailey. And he looks at me. He's like, 
dude, that was a heck of an attack. And I'm like, did yeah. we drop anybody? <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> and he just took off like a rocket and no one no one no one went no one tried to cover i'm yelling at the guys i'm like guys that's the move we gotta go nothing happened he won i took fifth and what was really cool is that um if you if you know that finish line you go through and it hits the climb i was not going to go through that climb again so i took a right hand turn was on a side street tucked in front of a truck and matt came and found me um which was i was i was sitting there thinking this guy just won the race. Why is he coming to talk to me? I, I didn't even hit the podium, but he came and found me. And he's like, dude, that was a great move out there. That was perfectly timed. Well done. It was awesome. Uh, so I was just kind of blown away by his kindness. When, generally speaking, and I, I don't need to stereotype people, but when we win, right, we kind of tend to put a little bit of blinders on, right? Um, but not Matt. He went, he went and he found me and he congratulated me and sought me out. And then he uh, followed me on Strava on Instagram. We started talking and then uh, I invited him on a group ride a week or two later and he came out and we rode 140 miles and just hit it off. And the rest is history. 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 Yeah, and we're going yeah. to Chiefs games. And now you're going to Chiefs games. <laughs> Parker's wearing a wig to him. It's awesome. <laughs> Jace, where'd you Funny meet? Sorry about the wig. Oh, okay. When I, when I followed Parker on Instagram, I didn't really even know him yet. And I, the, one of my first thoughts is, man, this guy has great hair. <laughs> <laughs> Got some pictures of me in the wig on Instagram. Yeah, so good. Yeah, like in your driver's license. I can't remember. Did, is that is that real? That is what you have your driver's license. Yeah, hundred percent real. Yep. That is so funny that they let you do that. <laughs> the lady, no, she knew, but she didn't. I mean, people wear wigs, I guess, all the time. But so anyway. good. Jace, where'd you meet Matt first time? Um. I'm not actually sure. I think my relationship with Matt mostly it first started up just via me reaching out to him via text and asking him some questions. Hmm. I had kind of, I think I probably started cycling around the same time as Matt. Um, but he started racing a little bit earlier and then he just won everything. <laughs> and then I would just like, didn't, but <laughs> he used to, I kind of nerd out on a lot of stuff and tend to ask a lot of questions and Matt's kind of known as being a super inclusive, nice person that's willing to share kind of everything he's learning. So I tend to take advantage of, of that. And I was just asking him a bunch of questions and I asked him a lot of sprint questions, which I still don't know how to sprint. And he does. So I, I, I guess I got to work on it as well and not just ask questions, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it mostly, and then just DLD and showing up to certain races and just um, Matt's always the guy just talking to everybody and smiling and um, kind of the opposite of everything you think of when you think of road cycling and guys in spandex and maybe not so inclusive. Matt is, he couldn't be more inclusive. He's willing to share with anybody and talk to anybody. Nice. That's why we got him on. Matt, if you didn't know it, you are a leader, an example in this cycling community. Everybody loves you, dude. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Maybe talk about how you got into sports. Maybe a little background of like uh, your like your sports history. Sure. So um, I'm the oldest of five kids, so I kind of got to blaze the path, you know, for whatever else is going to do. But uh, my dad was always into racing sports. Um, he, he grew up riding dirt bikes a lot. Uh, he ran track, he did the hurdles. Um, 
And so he always like exposed me to more of the racing side of things. And then my mom was a volleyball player and softball player, and she she really liked the the team sports. And so at a pretty young age, I I started realizing I was more of a racer than a team sport type of person. And so I ran track for like three weeks and realized I hated it. And uh, I started road riding with my dad when I was about 11. He was a pretty solid cat three. And this was in Mesa, Arizona. And then we moved to Utah when I was 12. And so there was a few years there where I got to race quite a bit with him. We did some of it on the tandem, which was fun. And then I had a little, little kid's road bike that I had. So I did that for a while. And then uh, as I got closer to high school, I wanted to be on some sort of high school sport. And my friends were on the swim team. And, you know, growing up in Arizona, everyone can swim. So, and I had done that a little bit as a kid too. So I gave that a try. And then that kind of just took over and I stopped, I stopped the biking and just went full swim, like man, for the next 15 years, really. And so uh, that's kind of how it all all started sports. So bike. you're saying you were racing bikes like as a kid, like as a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, funny story. I wish I had the stats on this, but when I was 12, I think um, there was a, the U S cycling national championships was in Colorado and they had a junior division for my age group. And I almost went, but um, my dad had a race in Phoenix. And so I decided to do the the shorter version of the race he was doing instead and my race was 30 miles, if I recall. And the national championship race for my age group was like 25 or something. And we compared times after, and my time was like 10 minutes faster than the time that they that won it in Colorado. <laughs> Obviously different courses, different scenarios, you know, but yeah. at the time I was like, oh man, why didn't I go to Colorado? And then I just stopped riding after that entirely, you know, until, until I picked it back up again, like mid thirties. That's crazy. That could have put you on a totally different course. If you would have showed up and won a national event, you probably would have just stayed on the bike forever. Yeah. It would have been very different than how life played out for sure. Jace <laughs> uh, has told me this many times because he's very studious uh, that early on in life, there's like an engine that's built in kids, like an endurance engine that doesn't go away if they build it when they're young and it it looks like you had had, you had that experience, like with some endurance sports, endurance activities, including, so you went to college, college swimmer. You talk about that. Yeah. So, um, when I was in high school, I was swimming. Wasn't really, I went to Northridge high school in Layton, Utah. Okay. And it wasn't a huge sport there. It was a lot bigger in Salt Lake County. And so I was one of the better swimmers on our team, but that didn't really say much like you know, in terms of how good you were really. And so I I got better and better throughout high school. And then my senior year, I switched more towards the shorter races than the longer ones, which I'd been doing up to that point. And I was ranked a lot better. Um, I think I was like, I think I ended up taking maybe eighth at state championships or something, but I had, uh, I had pneumonia almost my whole senior year. And so I wasn't really able to train much. And so in the back of my mind, I knew that I had a lot more in me than I was showing at that time. And so I, I had always wanted to swim in college, but I, I just flat out wasn't fast enough. So I would talk to coaches and, you know, I just, it wasn't there. So 
Uh, I, I finished swimming after high school, spent a year just riding dirt bikes, having a blast. And then I went on a two year mission. And while I was out there, I just, I, I decided like, okay, I'm going to be a college swimmer when I get back. Like, that's what I want to do. So I got back and trained for about a year and I got kind of like up to where I was in high school and then didn't really get much faster after that. And then, uh, I just showed up to a meet at the university of Utah after this will come into play later on in this conversation, but I, I started studying the technique of sprint freestyle a lot, like obsessively. And I wasn't really training that much, but I was just studying a lot about it and practicing like a little bit here and there. And then I showed up to a race at the U and I beat almost every one of their sprinters in that race. And then mm-hmm. like the next weekend I got a scholarship. And so mm-hmm. I started, <laughs> I started as a 22 year old freshman there and finished it out. Um, Got to be team captain my senior year, which was awesome. And then uh, I kept swimming after that. Um, I went to grad school in upstate New York and coached the team up there and was still training on the side with a little side hope of trying to make the Olympic trials. And I was close, but never quite made it. So that keeping that dream alive, I I wish I wouldn't have kept it alive for so long, but it kept me training. and, And now that I look back on it as a cyclist, that kept that aerobic engine going. And that was till I was about 30. So really from Dang. man, like 11 years old until 30 with a few gaps in the middle, I was pretty much doing aerobic sports the whole time, not necessarily on the bike, but it definitely carries over. Yeah. You wrote on this uh, outline. I don't want to miss it. Share winning mindset as it relates to 50 freestyle. Was Oh, that- sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up. So when I was swimming in college, I, I raced the 50 freestyle. It's the shortest event they have. Um, it's just down and back. And there's eight lanes in the pool and only one guy can win. And it's so close every time, unless, you know, you're just like outmatched by guys that are way better than you. But usually it's, you know, the whole field kind of goes down and comes back and someone wins, right? So when you're standing up there behind the blocks, if you don't know that you're going to win, you'll never mm-hmm. win because it's always so close and you have to do everything just absolutely perfect. If you make one mistake, it's over. And so you've got to be, you you have to be confident enough to know that you're going to do it. And all eight guys are thinking the same thing. And so I didn't win a ton of races in college. Um, I did win some, but I believed I was going to win every one of them. <laughs> and so that I've tried to carry that mentality over to bike racing and it's crazy how much better you do when you know that you can do it versus just saying like, oh, I'm just going to try to finish with the field today, or I'm just going to give it my all and see what happens. Like I, I never go to the line thinking that like I'm always in it to win it. That's awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. So fun. Cool. And I usually don't win. So there you go, but you got to believe it. <laughs> I usually do win in bike racing. <laughs> P what'd you say? Follow up. When he doesn't win, he learns something as Caleb said. So <laughs> that's, that's right. I mean, after every race, when he doesn't win, we'll have a conversation. You know, what's interesting. I thought while I was out there or I realized, or I learned, and it's, I mean, it's great. It's great tidbits of information. Yeah. It was over here laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Got any other follow-up guys on uh, swimming, swimming career? Okay. I just wanted to follow up a little bit on, on kind of what I, have told Stu in the past with endurance athletes and it's it's really interesting you you meet a lot of these the best cyclists that we know and ask kind of what their background is 
And a lot of them are some sort of endurance athlete, whether it's a swimmer, cross country runner or something in that nature. And you, you build that base engine over years and years of like, you know, base mile work, basically like that zone two and it never goes away. Like you always have an engine, your starting place, even if you take a winter off is kind of ahead of everyone else's. I, I didn't come from any sort of endurance sport background. I played baseball my whole life and we run as little as possible. So I, I always feel like it's just, I'm, I'm just such a baby starting cycling a few years ago that I, I don't have that base that a lot of others did. So cool. I want my kids. I keep telling my kids, like, just do something like an endurance sport, mountain bike team, swim team, cross country team. It'll, it'll benefit you your entire life. If you just learn how to suffer early and build your engine. You or know, just- I often look back to my swimming days and wish that I would have quit sooner. Like maybe right when I graduated college rather than, you know, through grad school and all that. But the advantage is I I feel like the aerobic work was still getting done. And now I have a lot more life left in my legs. I'm I'm more excited. I feel like I'm fresher than most people would be at my age um, because it, it, you know, it takes time to develop all that. So doing it in another sport can be an advantage, I think. Nice. All right, Matt, can you talk about, uh, looks like you dabbled in enduro and then how that transitioned into road racing. Yeah. So, um, I got a mountain bike in maybe 20, what would it have been? Maybe like 2014. I think, uh, my brother is a, a extremely good downhill mountain biker, just crazy. And so I was just trying to find a way to be able to spend more time with him. And so I got a mountain bike and it started to like improve pretty quickly. Um, didn't really talk a lot about it, but we, I rode a lot of motocross growing up like a ton. And so that it feels a lot like mountain biking, you know? And so, uh, naturally being a racer, I wanted to start racing. And so I first started out in cross country, just doing some of the Tuesday night, um, mountain bike series here in Salt Lake. And I did okay, but I'm, I'm a pretty big guy. And so it's really difficult in mountain biking to keep up with guys that are really fast climbers, um, especially when it's all like single track. And if they take off, they're just gone. You can't draft off of them up the hill or, you know, anything like that. So uh, I really enjoyed the cross country side of it, but it was just not really my thing. And then I discovered enduro and just went like neck deep in that. And that's really what pulled me out of the swimming mindset. Cause I was just having so much fun riding mountain bikes. And so everything I did um, from then on was just trying to get faster at enduro. And for those of you who don't know much about the structure of enduro, you you pretty much ride a course throughout the event where you can take your time and go up the hills as slow as you want, as long as you make the time cut off. And then you race down the stages one at a time, and it's you against the clock on those stages. And they're typically between five and 10 minutes long. And it's like, it's mostly downhill, but it's, it, you have to pedal quite a bit on mm-hmm. top of that. So I had a lot of success in that. Um, really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I ended up getting a road bike so that I could put it on the trainer to ride in the winter and just to stay in better shape for enduro, you know? And then one day it rained 
in, in the spring, I think this was like the spring of 2019. It was, and all the trails were super muddy. And I was like, dang, man, I really wanted to ride today. I guess I could just put my road bike on the trainer and do a trainer road workout. And then I thought, wait a second, like, why don't you just ride it outside? The roads are dry. <laughs> so I did that. And then <laughs> I had a blast and I was like, oh, this kind of reminds me when I was younger and I used to do this. Like, this is fun. Hmm. And so first thing I do, I go home that night and I laid in bed and I started looking up road races in Utah to see like what, what was available. And I somehow came across the, the DLD crit series. And so then I started looking up crit videos uh, to see, and I'd raced like one or two crits as a kid, but I just wanted to see what real crit racing was all about. And like from that moment forward, I barely ever mountain biked after that. Like it just went full on road biking and it happened so quick. And Kayla gives me such a hard time about it because I was so such a diehard mountain biker, but I started doing the DLD series in 2019 started in the B class. And, uh, the first race, I thought I was going to get dropped like five laps in. I'm like, Oh man, this is it. Like oh, I'm done. And I was in pretty decent shape, you know, but as, as you guys know, road racing is very different, um, hmm. than mountain biking. And so it took me a little bit of time to get, uh, to get acclimated to that. But then I started having a little bit more success. Um, I never won one that year, but I was able to kind of work my way up towards the front. And I think I did like seven or eight races at the DLD that year. Nice. And then I rode, um, I rode the ultimate challenge and I rode Loda jaw that year with a group of guys from work. So I just saw that the, the fun, it was like the fun ride at maybe 12 hours or something. I don't know what it took Ooh, us. Not fun. Not but fun. It was, it was a good time. So that was like, that was my 2019. So like, I, I do count that as a year that I rode, but I didn't do any sanctioned racing that year, but that's, that was kind of my transition year from mountain biking into road biking. Got it. Matt, what a great, go ahead, Parker. Oh, sorry, Jason. Uh, you mentioned that you, you had a trainer, uh, a cycling trainer. Um, how did you get that? And why did you have it? If you were, if you were just doing enduro. So like I mentioned, I love to really dig in and study about whatever it is that I'm competing in. And so um, I would study a lot about ways to train for enduro and be faster. And I knew the, that a lot of the guys I was racing against put in a ton of base miles in the winter, even for enduro racing. And so I just bought a trainer off of KSL. It was like a wheel on, you know, a Cyclops one. And it was kind of a challenge to put my mountain bike on there and it wasn't very comfortable. So I, I, that's why I got the road bike to put on there. But yeah, I, I, even then I understood the importance of, of base work in the off season. What about your kicker? How did you get your Wahoo kicker? I was lucky to get that. I got it during COVID and uh, it, it was when you couldn't find them. You remember that? Like, yes. I tried to, yeah, I found one at hangar and it was great because I had a discount at the time because I was on the team. And so not only was I able to find one, but I got a, a deal on it, which was unheard of then. So worked out good. Dang, surprised they honored the deal. Good for I know. <laughs> you you have a story about I think it was at Hangar um, where they were doing some sort of a a, a watt test or something. Mm. So the this was in the winter between this would have been like late 2019 I think. Uh, there's a video of it somewhere I think it's on Hangar's race Hangar's page but yes. it's kind of funny to look because I'm like so much bigger than I am now <laughs> but. 
Uh, they, Don't show they, Kayla. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so Zwift was putting on this like tour nationally where they'd go around to different bike shops and they'd set up uh, like a Zwift station with some bikes. And then I can't remember what segment it was. I'd never ridden Zwift up to that point. And so they had this, it was like a two minute segment and you'd just go and hammer that two minute segment. And whoever got the fastest time that day won a kicker. And so I was like, dude, I'm going to win this kicker. And so I showed up and I was the very last one to go. And uh, I can't remember who all was there, but I, oh, uh, what's the kid from Feral Cats? Uh, Mason McKinney. Do you know him? Mm-hmm. So Super he was fast. there. He, he ended up winning it. And then Gavin Story took second and I almost had Gavin. And it was funny because like no one knew who I was at the time. And I'm just this big, big dude, you know, and uh, I think I pushed like 700 watts for two minutes when I did that. And so um, I'm the watching the was, video right now. The bike was just flexing. Like <laughs> uh, yeah. And the, the commentator for like for the American yep. Crit Cup, he was there commentating for it. It was kind of funny, but I was just dying. And so uh, that that was my first time really getting to match up against guys that I, I had seen on Strava and were kind of checking out, you know. That's cool. But I went into the bathroom and threw up right after that, like literally. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to include the video in the podcast. I'm going to put it on. So good. I feel like the your motocross and swimming and enduro racing all, you were destined to be a crit racer because that like you really learn how to handle a bike as a motocross racer as an enduro rider right and even your you said that you kind of pedal downhill during enduro but i've watched those races and they're hammering downhill there so that i mean you, you kind of just you were made for this it seems like yeah i mean you can certainly make that argument like that <laughs> what i have would i have been better if i just biked since i was 11 yeah maybe but like, <laughs> everything i did kind of makes its way into making me what I am now. So I, I appreciate all that for sure. Nice. Maybe. Uh, you, oh, go, go ahead. ahead Sorry. No, I was just going to move us along. Yeah. I was going to say, do the same thing. It's just like how maybe talk about how you transitioned from hangar where you were just a brand new cyclist that maybe not a lot of people knew and setting watt records on random Zwift rides and things like that to joining a team and racing as a team and maybe some of those mentors that brought you along and showed you how to race. Yeah, sure. So I started out when I started going to the DLD, um, my brother had worked for hangar for years as a bike mechanic. And so I knew Mike Pratt just because he hired my brother, you know, off and on throughout the years. And so when I started racing, he reached out and kind of took me under his wing that first year and got me in a hangar kit. And so when I did my first sanctioned race ever which was valley of the sun in 2020 i did that in uh, as part of hangar but their program was kind of on the way out at that point already and they did have some people in the one two field but they didn't have a lot of people in like the fours or the threes and i had a difficult time um kind of working my way socially into the 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 one two crowd you know and trying to just ride with faster people And so um, one day I hit up uh, Cam Candelaria on Strava because I saw that a ton of people were riding with him. And I was like, hey, I want to come ride with you guys. Like, when are you going out next? And uh, so I met up with them and we did a ride up Big Cottonwood. 
And until like the end of last year, that was the fastest time I'd ever had up big cottonwood was that day. I just had a really good day and like dropped everyone going up the hill. Still wasn't, I'm not a climber, but you know, um, it was enough to at least pique some interest. And so he started pulling pretty hard to get me on Intermountain because that's like where all the people in that group raced. And so I talked to Pratt a little bit and he tried to get me to stay at Hangar, but like they didn't really have much going on. And so I appreciated my time there, but went over to Intermountain. And that was a, a great move for me because I got exposed to a lot of people that I still am really close with and race with a lot that have been around the block a ton. Um, so uh, guys like Clint, Clint Mortley and Bryce Olson, they, they're kind of the the core uh, of Intermountain. And they I don't know if most people don't know this, but Sep used to be on Intermountain. That was like his first road team. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And so Clint and Bryce were on the team when he was on it back in the day when it was more of a pro level team. And so they've been around forever. And then uh, I don't know if you guys have ridden with Darren Goff and Johnny, like those guys just, they hammer all the time and they're just great bike racers. So um, it was just great to be around them. And then as I continued my progression and, and being a sprinter, I got put in a lot of positions where I ended up being the guy that was going to try to win it. And so um, it was just cool having guys that I looked up to so much now, like working to help me win a sprint. <laughs> and I learned so much and I still do like all the time um, just from riding with those guys. And it's been great. And I, I just named a few names. There's certainly a lot more, but that was a huge help for me. Nice. Um, Matt, you put down here that you love the mindset of the sport. Can you talk about that for a sec? Yeah. Um, one thing that I, so road, as you mentioned earlier, road biking kind of has the rep of like being really stuck up and, you know, everyone's better than each other and not super inclusive. And I, I can see that for sure, but there's been so many guys that I like want to beat more than anything. Um, in particular this year, I've had a lot of really I've spent a lot of good time and had some great experiences with Spencer Johnson and Cam Hoffman, who are like two of my biggest competitors. And we all try to help each other get better. And we all try to share tactics on what we do to, to train better, to race better. And I love that in our sport where it's such a small sport that we can all collaborate together and, and be friends, even though we want to kill each other on race day. You know, mm. I just think that's such a cool aspect of, of the Me sport too. of cycling. Very cool. Nice. Pete, any follow-up? You guys good? No, I'm great. That's those. Yeah. No, I have an off topic question later on, but that's oh, great. Okay. We'll table that. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Okay. So, uh, this year we've got, I got a lot of questions about racing this year and how you moved into the empire team and intermountain team. Um, can we talk, Jace, did you put this question here about the crash early in the season? Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe you just down. kind of, as we talk about transitioning into this year with, your new team empire and maybe talk about how you, you had a crash that kind of set you. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Kind of separate conversations. I'll just be quick about the crash. I, I had a, probably the best off season I've ever had last year and came into this year, just ready to go. And it, I just made a stupid move at, at DLD chasing down Cam Hoffman and I wasn't even going to catch him, but <laughs> I just blew a corner and went off into the dirt and tried to save it. And I don't really even remember the crash, but 
my front wheel must have got caught on something and I just went from going like 30 to face first into the mm. into the dirt luckily um and that I don't really remember much until like a little bit of the ambulance ride and then the hospital <laughs> and growing up like racing or I didn't race moto I rode motocross a lot and certainly whacked my head several times <laughs> and on the mountain bike same thing this one was so different than anything I've ever experienced because it was just straight on like to the front of my head really, really hard. And um, it was, uh, yeah, I could talk a ton about this, but to, to keep it short, like it, it affected me not only on the bike, but off the bike in way more ways than I ever would have imagined. And mm. I look at head injuries much different now than I did before that. And that happened on May 4th. And I don't feel like I really started to feel myself until maybe Masters Nationals, which was um, early August, um, maybe even a couple of weeks after that. I, it was okay. it's just I tried to race a week later in Idaho, and that, that was just a huge mistake. But hmm. anyway, I take that kind of thing a lot more serious now after having been through it like to that degree. And I, you go ahead. I was just going to say you um it's not like you took those months off too you were on a new team and you were traveling around racing and you just weren't feeling yourself i guess not maybe more mentally than in your legs your legs were good and strong but just didn't have what it took to stay at the front or how how was that yeah i mean i had to take some time off of training but not not much i took like a week off um in hindsight i would handle it way different than than i did but uh I I've learned that the connection that your brain makes with your legs is, is huge. And I've talked to Parker a lot about this when we talk about sprint training, but um, it, there's, there's a very real connection there. And when that's off, you just can't, it, you're just not the same. You can't, you can't ride like normal. And I, I experienced that in a big way. Crazy. And then the confidence side of it too is tricky. You know, after, after going Didn't down, want to go down again and start over. Yeah. What have you done specifically regarding the the confidence to to kind of get back into that? You've done some high profile races recently, uh, Gateway Cup, um, and you performed really well. Was there anything specific that you did to help get your your mind right? Or I think just reps. Like I just had to do it a bunch. And, you know, I, yeah, I tried to. I Kayla and I would talk about it and she's like, dude, when you're confident, you, you, you'll win. Like you win all the time when you know, when you're confident, like that's what you do. And it, it I just didn't have it, you know, like I, it wasn't there and it showed like people that, that knew me well and that would watch me racing. You could tell just by the look on my face that I, I didn't, I didn't have it hmm. and it's getting better, but um, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's finally just starting to come around. It's kind of scary stuff. Yeah. Crazy. Hey, I realize that maybe some people out there do not know what Empire is. Could you just what that just describe that race team, kind of what what what's going on there? Yeah. So what happened was um uh Bryce and Clint and myself on Intermountain were were like we just love crit racing. And they had raced on the national level before, like I mentioned, when when Intermountain used to have more of a pro level team. And so when uh, what's now the American Crit Cup kind of became a thing, like maybe last year or whenever it was, uh, we wanted to be a part of that. But it's really difficult to to get in the mix and actually be a factor without having a team. 
And so just having us register individually, um, it's, it's tough to get in sometimes first off. And then, you know, you almost need a team to work together if you really want to be at the top. I mean, you look at what, what Legion does, those guys aren't just out there soloing to a win, you know, they're, they're absolutely working together. And so, um, Intermountain had been down that road before, uh, funding, a, a team at that level and that they, that wasn't the direction they were trying to go right now. And so we realized that we, if we wanted to do that and have the support that we were looking for, we just needed to do our own thing. And so we started exploring that. And, uh, and then I went and got a bike fit from Pat Casey and found out that Pat and a few people that were close to him were actually trying to do the same thing. And we're all here in Salt Lake. It's, it's not a big place, you know? And so we, we banded together and it was crazy within about a month. Um, we had a new team, we had a bike sponsor, a wheel sponsor, uh, like rotor for our crank sets, uh, DNA, like made all of our gear for us. We got our travel all funded and everything. And it happened like, just like that. It was crazy. Um, I still feel so lucky that it worked out the way that it did. So, uh, there's eight of us on the team. Uh, and in these big crit races around the country, you can field a team of six. And so that usually usually there's a travel conflict with a guy or two. And so it works itself out, but sometimes we have to pick who's going to, who's going to be on that squad for that week. But really our goal is just to be a top level crit racing team and to race the crit series. That's, I don't know if it's going to be American crit cup still next year, or if it'll be called something else, but it's essentially just a national crit series and all the best racers in America. That's, it really is the top level of, of road cycling in America right now. And so we're just trying to be as good as we can. Very cool. You guys had a lot of success too. It was really interesting to see. Um, it wasn't just a bunch of young guys that had been cycling their whole lives, jumping on a team together. And um, it was great to see that you were out there against the big, bad, you know, Legion and best buddies teams. And you instantly started competing. It's not like you were taking dead last because you didn't know the scene against all of these pros that had been riding their whole lives. And you were right in the mix. I mean, Jack had a ton of great finishes up front being just a, you know, a young 135 pound, 140 pound guy. And um, you guys were all helping, keeping him in those breaks and working together and kind of learning to, you know, race at that high level. Maybe what, what was it like racing against some of those young guys and how did you train to compete against those guys and have success right away yeah so prior to to this season the first well the first pro crit i did this year um i guess i did valley of the sun which was a cat one only field but there was a lot of um a lot of like road race specific guys there so it was fast like faster than i was used to but the first real pro crit that i did this year was tulsa tough first day and Prior to that, I had done the two Salt Lake crits and Boise Twilight uh, as a in the Cat One Two field, and so and I did pretty well in those races. But you know, I came into it thinking like oh, I got this. You know, like I'm just gonna I'm gonna show them what's up. And <laughs> and uh, that the jump from even the One Two field into that that Pro One field is probably I think it's the biggest jump between any any single category 
just because every guy in there is so aggressive and so fast and so experienced and the they all race so close <laughs> and half the field races bikes for a living. So like you're having to compete against guys that can just train mm. all they want. So that was a, a big eye opener for me. And I, I wish that I could have done more to prepare for that. But at the same time, I don't know how I would have <laughs> maybe done more one, two racing uh, on a national level to try to get ready for it. That, that would have been a, a good thing, but I just wasn't able to do that. So this year I, we made a lot of success as a team, especially in that last race we went to in St. Louis. Um, but it was, it was definitely a, a year where we were growing and learning together. And I, there was a lot of guys that were in the same boat as me. And um, I, I really feel like we put ourselves in a good spot for next year. And yeah, Jack was our, our hero this year, just killing it. I mean, he's so small, but always right there. So aggressive. I love it. Nice. Um, I don't know who put this on here, but I would love to hear how do you train at such a, a high level um, Matt, you talk about knowing your strengths and weaknesses. Can you talk about that and how you approach it? Yeah. Um, I love talking about this because um, it's hard to tell on video, but I'm way bigger than a normal road cyclist is. <laughs> I'm 6'4". Um, I'm a little lighter right now, but I raced most of the year around 215 pounds. So I'm 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 just a big guy for a road biker. <laughs> and so uh, I've always been like, I guess at, at the level I'm at now, I'm not a climber at all, but if I go on a local ride, I can usually hang with the leaders on a climb, even being a big guy. So it's not like I'm bad at that, but, um, once you get up, you know, to where you're racing guys who are legit climbers, you realize real quick that no matter what you like, I'm never going to be a climber and racing crits. Like that's not really my goal. Um, but I, I read this interview uh, with Marcel Kittle, if you know who he is, he just retired a few years ago, big Tour de France sprinter. And he was talking about how back in his career, he used to, he, he's about my size, a, a lot leaner. Like I think he raced the tour at 195, but um, incredible sprinter. And one year he tried to lose a bunch of weight. And what he realized was that he was still getting dropped on the climbs. He still wasn't ever going to be like that guy, you know, like his role was to sprint. And so he was trying to make himself into something he wasn't and it sacrificed what he was. And so mm. being a big guy, I've had to learn the sort of scenarios that can actually be an advantage if you're bigger and really try to maximize those and then try to prioritize getting better at what you're not good at versus just learning how to go into damage control mode, you know, and just survive the things that you're not good at. And that's a bit of a fine line to walk, but I think too many people, as far as cyclists go, they just think like, oh, I need to be super skinny. I need to, I need to be able to climb fast. Like that, it's not all about that. And there's so many things that you can do, no matter what your, your rider type is or your body size is to put yourself in a good position. And that all comes with just experience. I'd imagine is as you're racing more and more, you kind of learn how to read a field and learn when to go and when to sit in and kind of mm -hmm. when to use your strengths and, you know, kind of just hang on during your weaknesses. Yeah. And there, and you can, the nice thing about road racing is you don't have to race every race out there Like you can cherry pick the ones, you know, are good for you. Mm -hmm. And I like, for example, I do way better on courses where I can maintain momentum. 
Uh, being big, if I have to slow down and speed up a, a lot, that really zaps me because I have to get all this weight moving again. <laughs> but <laughs> if I can keep moving, then the watts per kilo side of it doesn't really apply as much. And that, that's one reason why I have success time trialing on flatter time trials is because if you, if you make it more like for me, I can push a ton of Watts, but I'm huge. I have to, <laughs> but if I can get in a scenario where I'm in the draft or we're already going fast and it's the Watts that matter and not your, not your weight, then that's where I'm going to shine. And so in my training, I try to maximize so that I can be good in those scenarios. Um, and it's, it, you know, you can always it's do things. So but I like it. It's working. <laughs> nice. Matt, you've, uh, this has been referenced previously in the conversation, but you talk about studying um, and we've had a lot of conversations over the years uh, about videos that you've watched, different things that you've learned. Um, what's your approach to, to studying and learning um, you think about one specific aspect of a crit race or a different type of race, or do you, how do you, how do you look at that? How do you learn and, and put that, that what you learn into use practical use in your training program? Yeah. Great question. So I, I would say I spend at least, if not like double the amount of time I spend on the bike, like watching YouTube videos, reading articles. I mean, I, 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 I'm kind of obsessive about it, but um, the way that I usually win races is in a field sprint. And the way that most of the crits that I do now are one are in a field sprint. And so I haven't been able to figure out how to get myself in the mix enough in the pro field to be a factor in the sprints, but that's certainly the goal. Um, so when I'm studying, I'm trying to figure out uh, studying and training how to, how to put myself in the right spot using the least amount of energy so that when that sprint happens, I can be positioned right to be a factor. And so there's, there's the physical aspect of that and, you know, being fit enough to do that. And then there's the, the mental and strategical side where if you're not in the right spot, you're never going to win ever. <laughs> and so you can, you can study what the good guys do and, and really learn from that and use it. Um, but you, you really have to just pull the trigger and do it. And that's where most people fall a little bit short. Like I love the chaos of a sprint. I love it. That's why I do it. Hmm. <laughs> and some people, it's just not their jam. You know, they'll just, once it gets to that point, they're out. <laughs> so uh, I just try to study those scenarios and put myself in those scenarios as much as I can so that I can learn from them and hopefully cross the line first. Nice. It's a great approach that a lot of us, myself included, never really considered was, you know, studying and trying to learn from other races and watching that as opposed to just strictly working on the physical aspect of it. So oh, yeah. that mental component is, uh, is something that's great. And that a lot of us can put into practice in our own. Yeah. The biggest takeaway I have from this whole season by a long shot is that it's not, it, it's not your, your physical abilities that win one of these big crits, obviously you have to be fast to even be in the mix, you know, but the guys that are winning are the guys that are in the right place at the right time. Every time, like no, very rarely, if not ever, does someone just ride away from everyone and win. <laughs> if they do, it's because they hit everyone at just the right time, you know? So um, it's so much about how you race versus like how many watts you can push or how strong you are. 
Very cool. Um, Matt, maybe you could talk about your off season, what it means, um, how much you've realized your training in the off season is, is valuable. Yeah. Um, just like preparing for this call, I, I was just curious what I've done in years past. And I went back and looked at the the progression I've had in miles each year, like on Strava, since I was a mountain biker to now. And I've never been a, a huge volume guy, but it's, it's fun to see the progression each year. And most of the increase has come from what I've done each year in the off season. And it's really difficult to, to get better. Once you start racing, if you're racing a lot, you know, you do like a, you have to do an, either a midweek race or something with a ton of intensity in the middle of the week. And then you're racing on the weekend. And especially being older, if you're doing much more intensity than that, it's really hard to recover and, and be fast, you know? And so a lot of the work that you actually do and the progression that you make is in the off season. And so I've just tried to increase what I'm doing every year and be smart about it. And there's always, you know, different training methodologies that you kind of fall into and you try different things and see what works and what doesn't. But overall, I, I really feel like that's a probably the most important time of year as far as fitness goes. Yeah. Do you think older athletes are making a mistake with their training? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, we all fall into it, right? Like, yeah. You want to just ride, ride, ride all the time. And one thing I started doing towards the end of this season, and I didn't do it enough, was that I've always kind of gone maybe six days riding and one day completely off. And then on one of those other days, I'll take, you know, like an easy zone two day as recovery. And I've found the days that I ride five days a week and take two days completely off. Um, those weeks are more productive and I'm a lot faster because mm -hmm you hear this all the time, but recovery is just as important as the stimulus you get from training. And so when you get older and you have more time and more flexibility, you just think, okay, I can ride more. Like I just got a hammer all the time and do this. And, um, you, you just, you kind of get stale and you never really have that top end if you do that. And I think a yeah. lot of, a lot of guys our age fall into that. All of us, 40 plus masters athletes on this screen. But right How here. old are you laying? 40. 40. Yeah. yeah. So stale, dude. You're so stale. <laughs> <laughs> I feel stale. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about, I know we talked a little bit about, um, this year, but I, I think it'd be awesome to hear about, uh, race recap. All do your best to recap. I know you did so many events, but, uh, could we work through some of your most memorable moments from last year, Matt? Yeah, sure. Um, so like I said, I came into this season just like so strong. I remember uh, I, it was the first DLD race I did, uh, Ryan and I, um, man, we broke away early and just literally like rode away from everyone. And it felt so awesome. And then I did the same thing that the next race, like five minutes later in masters with Bryce. And I felt like I could do that all day. It just felt like so good. Um, Valley of the sun, for those of you who don't know what that is, uh, that race is in February in Phoenix and it's a three day stage race. And it starts out with a seven or what is it 14 mile time trial. And it's overall, it's pretty flat. It's like a little bit uphill going out and a little bit downhill coming back. So I like that race because um, being a stage race, it's based on time. And so the time separation for the overall typically comes from the time trial because the road race usually ends in a field sprint. 
and this and the um, the crit is almost always a field sprint. So the time gaps uh, are not that big. It, if anything, it comes from the road race a little bit. Um, and it's at sea level and there's not a ton of climbing. And so I love that race. Um, that race is such a good opportunity if you're trying to work up through the cat through different categories to get upgrade points. Um, but anyway, I, I did pretty well at that one this year. Um, I got 17th in the time trial out of like a hundred something guys, I think. And that was my first time ever racing a cat one only field. And so uh, I certainly wanted to be like top five, <laughs> but looking back on it, um, I feel really good about that one. That, that race was a ton of fun and really set the tone for the season. Um, and we did the uh, Empire and Intermountain put on a, a crit this year, which we'll be doing again next year. It was a great, I felt like it was a great event um, up in Ogden out in front of the Envy building. Mm. And uh, that one went really, really well for us as Empire. Um, I think we took like first second, uh, fourth, fifth, like we, we did really well. Um, so that one was a ton of fun. And then I had the crash after that. And so everything after that was just kind of survival mode. And, and like I mentioned, I would do it a lot different now. I would probably just sit them out, but being in, a member of a new team and really trying to prove your, your worth there and, and bond with the guys and be part of everything. It was really difficult to do what was right versus what you want to do. <laughs> and so um, I did some local races, uh, did the tax day race up in Idaho, which I won last year and barely, I had to pull out during the road race this year. Cause my whole face was just like, I felt like it was going to pop. It was so weird. It was only like a week after my concussion. I really shouldn't mm -hmm. have been riding. Um, and then th my favorite race I did all season uh Pretty much no one around here has heard about it, but it was a, uh, a multi-sport relay in Bellingham, Washington. And it started out at the top of, a, of Mount Baker. It's a ski resort. And it finishes, uh, so it started out with a cross-country skier, and then it went to like a runner. And so I did a 42-mile downhill time trial. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jack, my teammate on Empire, did the cyclocross leg, and then it finishes with a, a, a kayaker in the ocean. <laughs> and that was Parker. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> uh, like, but on our team, all, so there, it's teams of eight, and there was 350 teams in this event. So it's a huge event. Huh. And we won the whole thing. And it was so oh, nice. So awesome. Uh, my leg was all in the rain. Um, it's, it's a draft legal time trial because you're, you know, you, which is kind of unique on a time trial bike, but that race was a, a blast. I can't wait to do it again next year and be more physically prepared for it. <laughs> um, did some local stuff. And then uh, we started out the American Crit Cup season um, with Tulsa Tough. And uh, day one went pretty well. I finished like front third. That was my first time being in that field. Like I said, it was a shock to the system, but fun. It was a night race, which was really cool. And then the next two days were just brutal. Um, in these races, if you are falling off the back, they'll just pull you because, you know, once you're out of contention, there's no point in staying in. Mm. And so over half the field got pulled the second day. And then all but like 30 guys finished the third or got pulled the third day. And on the third day, that's the Crybaby Hill day. It was 140 degrees 
on the pavement. What? So just like, yeah, like if you were to take a heat gun and measure like the asphalt, it was 140. So not, not yeah. like the air temperature, but insanely hot. Like I was not prepared for that. I still wasn't back physically or mentally. And that was just a, a big struggle for me, but we had a blast out there. Um, did the Salt Lake crits. Um, really enjoyed those. Um, I had my best finish of the year in that field in the Sugar House crit. And um, Boise Twilight, I crashed three times in that race. Uh, that was crazy. <laughs> uh, or no, I crashed twice in that race. Um, but anyway, that was nuts. But I love that course. It's just so fast and fun. And then um, did Masters Nationals. That was like the first time I really started to feel okay. Um, I did the time trial and got a flat. It was an out and back, got a flat on the way back. So huge bummer there. Never really got to see what I had in me. And then I took fourth in the, in the crit and I rode it just how I wanted to. It was a field sprint, big, long sprint at the end. Um, Rasan Bahadi was in it and he was the favorite to win. And I was just trying to stay close to him. He ended up getting second. And, uh, you know, I, I was trying to get a little bit closer the the final turn. So I was, I think I went into it like sixth wheel, which was too far back, but um, I was happy with how I rode in that one, even though I didn't, I really, really wanted to win that, but I was on the podium. So that was good progress for me. And then uh, followed it up the next week with a, probably my favorite win of the year, which was the Utah state crit champs at sugar yeah. house. Nice. Look um, at peace smiling. That was great. Thanks to <laughs> Bryce. Man, Bryce gave me the best lead out I've ever had. Like it was, he's won that race three times and uh, Intermountain, when we race locally, we try not to have all eight guys race for Empire because it's like, we're trying to be like an inclusive team that people like. <laughs> and when you show up with eight dudes and like, not to toot our own horn, but like the eight of us are pretty good crit racers. Like that's why we put the team together the way we did. So if we race a crit with all eight of us, first off, only one of us is going to win it. Right. And then mm. uh, hopefully we just like smash everyone. <laughs> but in any case, like, even if we didn't, there's very rarely a team of eight really solid racers racing a one hour crit together. Yeah. So we usually split up the team just to make it more competitive and make it a little bit more fun for us and for everyone else. I really don't want that to come across the wrong way. Like, I think we can just go win everything, but mm, uh, any, anytime you have bad. eight dudes, like just working together, it's really hard to beat. So yeah. nice. yes. That race was crazy too. It wasn't like it was a foregone co conclusion that you were going to win. There was a million attacks mm -hmm. and breaks and everybody was dying to bring everything back i mean anything could have happened in that race it was crazy I, I would have bet pretty much anything before that race that it was going to end in a break like 100 counting on that and when it came to a field sprint I, I couldn't believe it yeah with those two hills it seems like it's a perfect setup for a break but mm -hmm. man that was a crazy day for your field yeah it was a, su such a fun race loved it i have some gopro footage from bryce's um GoPro that was facing backwards off of his seat that shows the whole last lap. And it's so cool to watch. That's like one of my favorite things from the whole year. I love it. I love watching those finishes where there's a guy like you side by side with Jack, you know, you at 210 <laughs> pounds and Jack at 135, just yeah. leaning into each other, elbow to elbow. And neither of you are going to back down. I love that. Yeah, that was fun. 
Nice. Um, yeah, then to finish it off, a couple of weeks ago, we went to St. Louis and did the Gateway Cup, which is a four-day um, four crit series. It's, it's a lot like Tulsa Tough, kind of the same feel, um, another day added to it and kind of different courses every day. And that, that was the most, uh, other than the, that weird relay I did, <laughs> that was the most fun I've had in a race all, all year. Like that whole weekend was incredible. We had a, a really cool house that the whole team stayed in and like we all bonded really well and just had a blast. Everyone had their moment where they raced well and we all could kind of celebrate each other's successes there. And it was just such a, a great weekend for the team. I loved oh. that one. And then Lota Jaw to finish it off last week. And I went back and checked and I, I've ridden a hundred miles three times this year. And the last time was the Bear Lake road race when again, I shouldn't have even been racing and I got a flat and like finished last in that one. But um, yeah, I was, uh, I've been training this year for hour long races, but you know, I, I was in it to win it. Yeah. you We went for it, but it almost, <laughs> almost made it work, but uh, that was a tough one. <laughs> nice. Hey, uh, as, as we wrap up, um, super grateful for everybody's time. I'm going to share one thing that I admire about Matt. Um, you know, we're not, I'm not super close with Matt. I've, I've only ridden with him a few times, but one thing that I admire is, uh, and I, I would say this to most cyclists is I admire a balance. The sport is very difficult to balance. You can turn into a real idiot trying to be good at being something in this sport and things can get really, uh, out of balance. And I think that that leads to really unhealthy, a really unhealthy life. Uh, but I watch Matt balance a lot of cool things. The the first is um, Matt never has like a 10,000 mile year. Like that's just ridiculous. Uh, like more miles for him. I don't know if that is a conscious choice or not, but he seems to say to, to have a limit and then he spends his time traveling and doing fun things with it, whether it's with his family or with his friends. Um Matt, I think it's so fun to see you training your daughter, like being a coach, being a mountain bike coach uh, for the high school. Um, anyway, could you talk about how you balance your life? What what kind of like thing that you're trying to accomplish there and what guides you, guiding principles? I, I'm looking over at Kayla, who's looking at me, and I can she's tell like, oh, she's saying, you don't balance. balance this at all. You're all about <laughs> 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 it. For those of you who know me well, I, I talk bikes way too much, <laughs> but, um, I, no, I, uh, I, I, I'm lucky to have a job that, um, I work remote, which is nice. So like I, I, the time that I would spend commuting, I can spend riding. And I, I certainly, I think that my volume is going to go up, um, the more I do this, but to this point, like we've talked about before, I've, I've tried to spend my time focusing at least on the bike on the things that really help me win races. Um, and that's always changing, but up to this point, it hasn't been, a, you know, spending 20 hours a week on a bike. And so I, 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 one of my favorite things is going to the kids mountain bike races. I love it. We're going to soldier hollow, uh, this Saturday and I can't wait. It's just, it's so fun just to see all the enthusiasm of so many young kids here in Utah, just killing it. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, like as much as I love bikes uh, and uh, I can't stop. Kayla's just really. Kayla? I'm, I'm full of it, right? <laughs> um, no, I, but I, balance is important. And I'm, that's, it's a struggle for me, just like it is for everyone. But yeah. 
you know, just try to put time where it's needed. Nice. How about you, P, before we wrap up? You've never been on the pod before. You have great balance. What do you what do you think? You know, um, the thing that I, I remind myself is that uh, cycling for me is less about the the actual act of cycling and more about there's there's a few things uh but one of those is being with friends spending time with friends um which is great um but i don't i don't love it so much that i'm gonna go gut myself all the time and and go out when it's snowing or raining super hard you know uh finding the balance um for me is what works best for me and everybody's different is getting out early in the morning spending a couple hours on the bike with buddies and then going into the transition to going to work and the home life and being at home in the evening with the kids. That's what works best for me and with uh, my schedule. So that's, that's kind of where I find it. My kids are, are getting older now. Um, so sure there would be more opportunities to spend more time on the bike, but I enjoy cycling. I don't, I don't want to spend 10,000 miles on the bike uh, and I want to spend 20 hours a week on the bike. I enjoy it. 10 hours to me a week is kind of the, the prime spot for me. For, for yeah. those of you who think you have to ride a ton of miles to be fast, go go look at Jack Strava and see how many miles he's ridden this year. And he's been the most successful guy in Utah this year. It's, it's interesting to look at. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, there's the pro mountain biker, Alex Wild, that works for Specialized. I don't know if you guys know him, but he's the same way. He's just really structured and he races, you know, with the best guys in the world. And I think he averages, you know, 12 to 14 hour weeks when everybody else is 20 plus. So you can do it if you just, you know, prioritize things. Like getting a puppy mid-season, Jace. Tell us about that. <laughs> Don't get a puppy. <laughs> it ruins everything. <laughs> <laughs> it ruins everything. <laughs> nice. Hey, very cool. Um, let's wrap up. Matt, I'm just grateful for you. I'm excited to watch you. Um, I just think that's why I asked you to be on here. I think you're a great guy. And to share what you're doing and what you're building, I think is worth it. And I appreciate all the time that you spent on here with us. And then I'll just keep stalking you on strava instagram and watching the journey hey Colin, good? go for a ride thanks for having me on you bet p any final words yeah um so we've talked about this matt i i appreciate all of your advice and tips and help over the year especially earlier this year coaching me you really helped me uh go into valley of the sun strong um and i i've had a great season that i wouldn't have if it weren't for you so thank you very much for your time and sacrificing your, your time to, to help me out. And, and I'd like to thank you too, uh, Jason and Stuart as well. You guys, what I love about the cycling community, if it weren't for cycling, I likely wouldn't know really any of you guys, but mm -hmm. what's cool is that, you know, we see each other on the road, we see each other occasionally at races, um, but each of you, and I've, I greatly appreciate this. I told my wife earlier today, Jason, in fact, at Valley of the Sun, Jason sent me a text uh, while I was down there racing saying, hey, you've done a great job, keep it up, you're doing great. Stuart, you did the same thing before the Salt Lake crit. You sent me a text. Hey, good luck. So really thank you guys. Thanks for being great ambassadors for the sport, especially locally where, you know, we have all these different teams, but I think that uh, you guys in particular are doing a great job kind of bringing everybody together um, and making it one big fun group. And, you know, we'll go toe to toe with one another at races, but in between we're all friends and we enjoy watching each other succeed. So Thank you for your support, guys. I really Thanks, appreciate Parker. it. Thanks, Parker. You bet.
happy to do it. When we look back on our cycling days, when we're all like 70 or however old we are, I I feel like we're going to remember the people a lot more than, Hmm. you know, how many hours you spent down on Zwift. And so I think that's, it's important to focus on that. Zwift, remember that stupid (laughs) thing we used to get on? (laughs) Oh, it'll be way better when we're 70. We'll all have like these VR headsets and we'll like be in there together virtually. Right. No, thank you. No, I think that cycling is a funny community too, because like I said at the start, from the outside looking in, you think it's the most exclusive club that there is. But when from the inside, it it really isn't that way. People are, you know, very friendly. And like you said, Parker, even though we're on different teams and we like going toe-to-toe and competing, I'm looking out for you guys like when we're out there in a race. I'm not trying to you know, be dangerous or anything. I just, I, I care about everybody out there and we're all friends at the end of the day, even though we like to compete. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you all. Thank you.